Uh, you know, there's there's questions behind the questions with people. It's like people. I really don't believe people dis, disbelieve in God because there is enough evidence. I think people disbelieve in God because of their own experience, and they're and they're using that to judge if there's a God. But if you take a step out, like I told you my backstory, if I just look judged off my experience, if God was real, I would I would have concluded there was him. But if I can, if I take a step back and I compare, if I put that in the context of, of the Bible, it makes perfect sense. What's up, guys? It's your boy Jordan, as always, with my buddy Jared. Uh, but today, we have a third party on the line. Uh, we decided we'd try something new. Uh, so with us today is Justin. Say hello, Justin. Hello, everybody. What up? <laughs> Uh, we know Justin through the military, but uh, Justin, why don't you take a second to introduce yourself? Yep, my name is uh, Justin Hayward. Uh, I met these fine folk in the uh, the greatest National Guard in the world, the Virginia National Guard. <laughs> um, a native of California, I joined the Army, uh, was active, was in the 82nd, then wanted to learn how to read, uh, so got out, went to Liberty for college, and then transferred to a school in Georgia where I study uh, biblical studies, books of the Bible, and theology. So uh, we thought we'd just have a little talk since Christmas is coming up. Uh, we've been wanting to get other people onto the podcast. Um, part of the idea in talking and in, in being a skeptic is, is engaging with people from other viewpoints and hearing what they have to say, uh, you know, weighing uh, their evidence, their arguments, their opinions, um, because we could always be wrong. Um, and even if not, we always stand to gain something by understanding uh, what other people are thinking and feeling. So that's the point here. We're just going to have a chat about the nature of belief and why we believe the things we believe in. Um, so on that, uh, Justin, if you wouldn't mind, uh, you're, you're Christian, right? Yes. And uh, so why don't you give us a brief testimony or something like why, what, what brought you to your faith? Okay. So I, I started off like every most kids in America, you go to, you go to church when you're little, you know, you're in Awanos and, and Sparkies and <laughs> some form of Christian education as a child. But, you know, really early on, my family, uh, they, they were Christians and at least they said they were. And, and as they, as we got older, they eventually stopped going to church and things I, I was learning at church weren't exactly things that I saw in real life. You know, it's like you go to church, you hear all these, va- these values, these morals and stuff, and then you go home and it's like, why is dad hitting mom? <laughs> Why is dad hitting me? <laughs> Who isn't dad hitting, you know? And you're kind of, and you're kind of asking yourself like, okay, we were at that, you know, did we hear the same message on Sunday about love thy neighbor and I'm your child? <laughs> so, you know, well, I mean, you're not technically his neighbor. Yeah, though, I have a roommates kind of, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so I think from an early, early age, uh, and I had, you know, I had this belief in, in a God as far as a worldview, as, as far as explanation for things. But as far as like, you know, really knowing God and believing in God, I didn't really know what that meant. You know, I had like a an outline, like a basic skeleton of ideals. And as my like I said, as I got older, my family got a divorce. Things got worse. Um, you know, I myself, like, you know, and my sister were uh, actually abused as kids, like sexual abuse and physical abuse. And so coming from a really dark place looking at, you know, religion and the world, I'm like, well, you know, this doesn't mean much to me. Like I, you know, I, I believe there's a God, but I don't know what he's doing. I'm going to do my thing. He can do his thing. And at some point in time, I figured we'd meet. Right. <laughs> uh, and so as I got older, I, you know, dealing with those issues and stuff then I decided, you know, you know what I'll do? I got issues. I don't want to go to college. I don't like reading. <laughs> 
uh, I'm going to join the army. <laughs> That'll solve all my problems. So I go from there and I, I found myself in airborne school learning how to jump out of planes. And my second jump during airborne schools in Fort Benning, Georgia, they take you up to 1,200 feet and they, and they throw you out. You're right. You jump out the plane and Hurricane Sandy hit. So I'm in the plane. I'm like, this is going to take, this is our second or third jump. I forget which one it is. It's going to take a total of like, you know, 20 minutes in the air. We're done. And then we're in there for an hour. And then we're in the air for two hours. And then we're in the air for three hours. I'm like, gosh, dang. Like, how much fuel does this plane have? And like, you know, no one's saying anything. It's like shaking, you know. And I'm, I'm yeah. sitting there. We're all looking around. We're all terrified. Like, we know something's up. And, and and all of a sudden, you know, you just see the pilot, like, stick his head over. He's like, we're not, you know, we're not a hurricane. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, there's no way we're going to jump, right? Like, they have to land the plane. <laughs> and then the jump master's like, we're jumping. And I'm like, oh, my. <laughs> was, was that on the, uh, the, 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 the risk assessment? Yeah. No, I mean, you're, not, you're not supposed to jump. <laughs> we're supposed to land the plane. <laughs> and and I'm sitting there, and, and, and for the first time in my life, I had a real come-to-Jesus moment where I, I stopped for a second from out from the relationships and being in the army how I, I you know how i looked at myself and all the things i'd experienced and it got real for a minute and i said you know i'm pretty sure there's a god and i know the way i've lived my if there's one thing i've learned from veggie tales is that if i die right now i'm going to hell <laughs> i don't know what episode that is but i'm sure it's in there somewhere <laughs> i think they put it at the end of all of yeah. them <laughs> <laughs> the tomato said something and it really sucked. Yeah, yeah. and so i'm sitting there and I'm, I'm having a real honest look and i'm saying okay i'm probably gonna die jumping out this plane or get seriously injured I, all i know is that what's about to happen is gonna affect the rest of my life and i remember you know i i, I it was like the first prayer i'd done like and since i was a kid i said you know god if you get me out of this i won't drink as much and I set that bar real low, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, cause I would drink a lot. And so I jumped out, I, I hit the ground. I'm like, you know, touching, you know, my wallet, keys, testicles, you know, making sure everything's still yeah. there. And I pause and I'm like, I'm fine. Now I just made a promise to God, but I said, you know what? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> it was kind of like with one minute, I'm like, God save me. And the next minute it's like, you know, almost like the middle finger, like I live <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. Not, this time. not this time, you know? And so I, I found myself at a coffee shop one night uh, with a friend and they were playing like Tekken and like, it was a good time. Uh, and there turned out to be a Bible study going on in the next room. And I kind of just crept in and see what was going on. And this young guy gets up in front of a crowd of 50 people and says, I have a problem with pornography. Right. This is, this is 2000. In, this is 2012. In, and he's in a, coffee, in a shop? coffee shop. This is 2012. This is before it was cool to have a problem with pornography. This guy just got up and said, I'm addicted to porn. I got a problem in front of like 50 people. And these, these are all army people. There's like Sergeant majors. They're like high ups there. I'm sitting in there and I'm like, like, is this, is this guy for real? <laughs> like, so after, afterwards I go up to him and I'm like, Hey man, that took, you know, it took a lot of guts to say what you said, you know, like that's crazy. <laughs> and he's like, you know, well, you know, Jesus, you know, it's coming to my life and I want to change. I don't want to be this way. And I'm a part of a Bible study group. And so he invites me over. I meet his mentor, became like a dad to me, who's a pastor. And, uh, he spent the next three years uh, teaching me the Bible, and God's already baptized me. His name's Dan Brown. He's he, he's he's the closest person to Jesus I've ever met. He's a carpenter, and he gets every answer right on Jeopardy. So, <laughs> and he's just he's just a really godly man. And and so it was from that point on, uh, you know, I, when I became a Christian, he started reading the Bible and ten church and coming where I'm coming from to where I'm at now. It's I, I didn't think I was going to make it past twenty five, to be honest. Especially with those plane accidents, I was like, yeah. I didn't think I was going to make it past Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, it's been an adventure so far. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. That's a very powerful testimony, and um, you know, it takes a lot to come on something like this and share your your journey with 
hundred people. So, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, and more and more yeah, thousand yeah. downloads. Yeah. I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I wanted to ask though: Did you consider yourself a Christian before you met um, this this pastor Dan Brown and and that? Yeah, that's the thing was I, if you would ask me then I, I said I would because I, I, there's a difference of saying knowing there's a God and, and knowing God. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that then, of course, I, then I would have been like, well, I'm a Christian. I know there's a God, but you know, the Bible said, so do demons and they tremble. But me, I, I had no action behind that. I just knew there was a God. And, and so I would have said yes at the time. And then after the fact that I said, oh, you know, like in that plane, I was pl- praying to a God that I didn't know. <laughs> right. So you would say that you, you're. Justin of then would have said, yes, I'm a Christian, but Justin now would say that Justin was not. Yeah, I would have fought that Justin. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. Fair. How long ago was was that? How long have you been a Christian? Uh, That was, uh, yep, the stuff happened at the end of 2012, and I got saved in the summer of 2013, so about seven years, I think. Okay. math is right. Cool. So, oh, go ahead, Jared. No, I was just saying, and like, so when... For you, when you got saved, was it like a public declaration of faith and then baptism, like all that stuff at one time? Yeah, it was. It was funny. The guy whose house we used, it was a, we had a pool there, and my mentor said, "Hey, this is you know what people get baptism, but confused. If you ever watch the show like Vikings and stuff, and yeah, you, you always see people like I must be baptized to be a Christian. So they they dip him in water, and they're like he's a Christian, and then he kills the whole village. And it's like that's I'm like guys, that is not how this works. <laughs> Stop doing this. You know, it, what baptism is 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 you know it's an outward declaration of something that's happened inwardly. Mm-hmm. So all is it's signifying with the uh, identifying with Jesus and what he did as death, burial, and resurrection and for us so uh seven years um during that time have you had any periods of doubt where you weren't sure but mm. it, it, it seems like you've kind of believed that a god exists for your entire life yeah there was always this this notion of of that worldview being what i thought of, of of god that there was a god and as time went on going from you know always being a creationist just having no idea what that meant to knowing okay the god who created things right. um and so if you say, oh, was there seasons where you doubted the existence of God? I would say that may seasons where you, you maybe you don't, you doubt the presence of God in your life where things seem to be kind of chaotic and you're kind of like, and I listened to the last podcast where you guys brought up the, the questions of it. If there is a God who's all powerful. Why doesn't he do anything? And, and so there's, there's seasons for everyone. I think, you know, when you, when you go through stuff that you ask that God, where are you? Um, but then the, the, I guess the, the real answer is stay tuned. <laughs> you know, if you just stay around long enough, stay tuned and, and you find out. So I don't think I ever doubt the existence of God, just the presence of God at times in my life. Well, I was going to ask you, cause it sounds like you had, I mean, pretty traumatic childhood. You admitted that. And like, then, uh, obviously airborne school learning how to jump out of planes was, was traumatic as well. But was there ever a point where you said like you were had anything that convinced you? That, that you believed in a God or was it you just always believed in a God? Uh, I think in a general sense, they, I will always believe there was a God as, as far as a framework that uh, wasn't, it wasn't enough to change, to change me at all. So it's like having a belief that doesn't change you. It's like, do you really believe that? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't, like I said, I believe in a God, but did my life reflect that there was a God at all? No. So, I mean, I guess you could make the argument that I didn't really even believe in the God that I said I didn't know, <laughs> which I didn't at the time. So, um, you know, it wasn't until I, I, I knew the God of the Bible that I could say, okay, I know God now. I believe in this God before you might, I could have believed in the spaghetti monster and it would have had the same effect in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, where are you in your studies? 
So I'm just out of curiosity. Yeah, I'm on my uh, well. I've been in college forever, but I'll have all, by the time I get my bachelor's degree, they'll think I'm the guest speaker. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a year left, uh, you know, Lord will. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, then I'll have my uh, bachelor's of, you know, biblical studies and ministry. And then I'll probably go on to do a master's degree because I hate myself. So I'll, <laughs> I'll pursue that further because I mean, there's a degree inflation in this country. You got to have your masters. You got to have your PhD pretty yeah. soon. Well, everyone will have a PhD. You know, pretty everybody, you know. <laughs> I was having that conversation with my wife yesterday, like the masters is the new bachelor's, you know. It is once once everybody's debt's forgiven too, you're gonna need a doctorate to even get a job. Work at Taco Bell. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Doctor and flip all that. Yeah. <laughs> uh so I imagine as part of your studies they, they cover like apologetic arguments and stuff like that. Yeah, and they do, and I know I get it from you when you when you go through any corner uh, course of material, it's from a certain point of view. So from a Christian university, it's going to be from a Christian perspective. Mm-hmm. But I've I've watched things from like the eighth. I like looking at things. You know, it's even like political things, right? When you get to the point where you can understand why the person believes what they believe, you can still disagree with it, but you need to understand why they believe what they believe. Until you understand why they believe it, you'll never be able to. Re- care about them relate to them or even under even have a full conversation so i watch like you know stuff from uh i think you guys mentioned from uh from sam harris i like watching him i disagree with most of what he says i think he's funny in a really kind of like serious he's a really serious guy but he's kind of yeah. funny uh we disagree with a lot of what he yeah. says so. <laughs> same stuff like with uh <laughs> you know christopher hitchens and basically the four horsemen of of atheism uh you know dawkins i like listening to people who i think are smart but i think they're uh they're wrong. <laughs> I think they're, I think they're wrong um, in their opinion. Hitchens Hitchens is was very entertaining to watch. One hundred percent. He's not super rigorous, right? Uh, so he would just have his he, glasses. Uh, he was just like an evil. The guy who wrote uh, Winnie the Pooh. He reminds me of like a. I think it's Christopher Christopher Robbins. <laughs> he's just reading the story about why he thinks there isn't a god, and I'm like, oh, this is interesting, but. I don't believe in <laughs> so. So, um, over the seven years since you've been in school and stuff, has your mind like you mentioned being a creationist? Mm-hmm. Is there anything specific to your faith that has changed? Like maybe right. you believe the Bible was inerrant and now you don't, mm-hmm. or vice versa, or whatever? Uh, no, I think before I did. I, I think the thing is when you when you first become a Christian, there's just so much. Like the Bible is a, is an ocean, right? You could you could swim and swim and swim, and you're, you're going to be swimming forever. There's so much. It's not something like one person has a monopoly on both the full understanding as far as uh, uh, of doctrine and stuff like that. But there is stuff that can be known, right? The, we call those the fundamentals. And so for myself, I didn't even know what the fundamentals were when I first became a Christian. So, you know, I was at a very, I was at a church. It was very, the people were nice and stuff like that, but there wasn't a lot of Bible. So when I first, when I got to my first church where there was a lot of Bible, I'm like, wait a minute, like, I don't know anything about this book. Like my mentor taught me some things on a Wednesday, but as far as like going through like scripture and, and, and you know, you know, dating the books. Why is this word? What is the point of this book? I didn't get that until later on in life when I started my studies and going to a Bible or really a Bible centric church. Um, and my views haven't changed as they have just developed into what they are now. Cause I think before I'd say I didn't know anything. <laughs> and now I think I know a little bit of something, but still not a lot. <laughs> I know the fundamentals and that's, that's, and that's where I, I, I have my, uh, you know, I'm happy about <laughs> And those things like that you've learned, obviously they you you would say that they've strengthened your faith versus like are supporting or propping up your faith. Mm-hmm. Would that does that make sense? Yeah, and I think that's that, that is a true statement for me because I think if 
and I take the, I take the Bible literal where it's literal. I take it where it's figurative, where it's figurative, and we have tools to find out when that is. But there's one thing: if you believe that the the, the Bible is the book of God, then all of the rest of sciences and, and history and everything else will relate to truth because we know what happened, right? We know there was a history of, of there's there is science and all these things will correspond with the truth. And then where those things are compatible. So I find out that this is what the Bible says. And then you go against these other things. And this is true. And this is true. And you kind of have a whole world view of understanding how it could be true. And so I think for me, is growing that understanding of that. Like you could, like there's most times they say, okay, well, to be a Christian is to have faith, but it's not a reasonable faith or you have a blind faith. And so there's a lot of Christians like that. And that's, I debate with those people all the time on the internet. Like my wife tells me, she said, go to bed, quit talking to these people on Facebook. And I'm like, this guy's, I'm like, you know, God bless him, but this guy's an idiot. <laughs> and I, I wish, and I wish he wouldn't, I wish he wouldn't speak for Christians because he's just saying crazy stuff. You know, yeah. somebody <laughs> is wrong on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. Hey, this guy, this guy's got to know, you know, Karen from uh, Chattawatick, Tennessee needs to know at three in the morning that, you know, Christ is God. <laughs> she yeah. needs to know that. And so whenever I say, why do you believe what you believe? If your answer is, I just believe. What's that? What does that do? <laughs> you know, right. nothing. It does nothing for anybody. <laughs> so, if somebody so, were going to ask you that question, though, what would you say your answer is? Why? Why do I believe what I believe? Yeah, yeah. I think for me, at first to start off with, you look at even the historicity of Bible, right? And I think I've listened to one of your guys' podcasts where you talked about the, you know, the gospels and the differences and stuff like that. But these, these are all things like if you look at the claims that Christianity makes. And you also look at, I know, uh, Jordan, you're a fan of C.S. Lewis as well. I mean, who isn't, right? Like, the guy was awesome. I mean, plus, we love Narnia movies. We love the books. Thank you for, for C.S. Lewis. But it's like you look at, even in the opening of Mere Christianity, you're presented with a simple argument of if you just look at the world around you, there's there's fundamental questions that need to be answered. Questions of morality. Questions of good and evil. And I heard you guys talking about the Odyssey in the last one. There's these questions that are presented in and, and, and any in any worldview, you have to answer these questions to be coherent, right? Like if I asked an atheist, why is there good and evil? If you say you don't know, I mean, that's fine. You're, you're welcome to your opinion, right? But you have to give an answer. It, it could be, I don't know. I don't know is an answer, right? There's times in, in, in Christians, uh, in the Christian faith where you say, well, why, why did God do that? And to be, to be honest, you'd have to say, I don't know. But if you say, I don't know to everything, you would almost say like, well, then why do you believe what you believe? Mm-hmm. So I think the Christian worldview is the most comprehensive worldview that answers the hardest questions, but also offers, <laughs> offers the best, not to call it a reward, it offers the best uh, assurance for the future. And I think that's what every single person's asking themselves. If I died right now, would I be okay? I think atheists do that when they say there's nothing. I want to be okay. Everyone wants to be okay at the end. Who doesn't, right? Nobody wants to die and be like, I want to go to a really bad place forever. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not planning on dying. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to yeah. separate your soul into seven objects in, in, a, in, a, in a magical high school. Yeah. I'm going to be life insurance policy out for that frozen brain. To... Yeah. Right. I, I haven't done it yet, but I do intend to get my brain frozen. Right. Just roll on the dice. Just don't leave it know. in the freezer. Right? <laughs> yeah. Honey, what is this? <laughs> It'll be a very fancy freezer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so it, it seems like at least when you first started, um, your belief wasn't really based on like the historicity of the, the Gospels mm-hmm. or it wasn't based on like any of these claims. Uh, it, it seems like it was more of like an experiential mm-hmm. thing. Right. Like you just you felt like you experienced some kind of divine connection. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, uh, so... And that 
since you're in a you're in a Christian culture and that that was like your background naturally mm-hmm. you and maybe you did have a connection with with an actual Jesus figure you know uh, but do you think does it ever give you pause that uh, the same sort of flavor of experience gives people confidence in say Hinduism or Islam or any other myriad of religions if you go to any other religion there are going to be people who have a similar you know I was jumping out of airplane almost died and so that made me praise Vishnu right. you know. <laughs> Um, so, so how would one distinguish between what your experience is, which of course you believe, which is authentic, you know, and someone else's experience, which is leading them to a very different conclusion? Right. Great question. Because oftentimes I talk to Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and they describe something similar to what Christians would describe as, as far as being a conversion, they call it like the, the burning in the bosom or this, this feeling of, of changing. And I would say the difference is there's, there's experience, right? And I heard in your last podcast, you guys said, well, why doesn't God just show up and reveal himself? Well, in one sense, you're saying, why doesn't God do what exactly what he did for me? <laughs> why doesn't God through maybe through not just have to show up, you know, right? The Bible says that most times when people were around God and, and his holiness, they would die. So I'm, I really don't want him to show up and kill me, you know, while, while I'm on this side of the cross, right? But that he shows up in these experiences to to reveal himself, right, through through the people that I was around to leading me to him. So he does that in an experience. But also that experience has to relate, relate with reality, which is what I was saying with history and science is that this has to be true. And then you test – there's a truth claim. So it, what converted me um, was that experience, right, and that longing desire in my heart to, to – uh, to be filled with, you know, the love and acceptance and, and to know God and to know it's going to be okay in the end. But then it was backed up by support. Like this is a reliable thing through the, you know, the, the gospel throughout the ages, throughout the, you look at the first century Christians and how they changed the culture and all the whole world. Um, and so it was, it was after the fact that that's really supported what I believed. It didn't, it wasn't like I just had that experience. If I only had that experience, that would be, that would be, that would, wouldn't be much to base my life off of. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you could be wrong. And it's like, well, that was a waste of time. No, it's there was an experience that led to a pursuit of truth that 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 validated my experience. Right. You, you have to judge. You judge your experience by the truth. You don't judge the truth by your experience. Right. Otherwise, you can come to whatever conclusion you want. Would you say that because it sounds to me like you believed first through your experiences and mm-hmm. then you went out searching to figure out if that belief was true and it made sense. It was a coherent worldview. It answered yeah. those questions that you said were really important to answer. Is that mm-hmm. accurate? Yes. Okay. So if I if I was going to ask you, like, let's say if um, – because well, you, you said Islam was on the rise. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> so, it is. It, it, Sam Harris would say – Sam Harris and Bill Maher, if you ever watch them, they – that's the one area I agree with him is they point out they they, they said and I quote Islam is the mother load of bad ideas. Oh yeah, and I, that was the only time I've ever agreed with them. <laughs> I definitely agree with that. Um, so like, so would you say like an Islam goes through that experience and then they go searching? If they determine that their worldview is coherent, then you would probably say that they were just wrong in in determining that they didn't have like sufficient evidence to back that up. Uh, well, again, I think there's there's a side of there's a supernatural part of, of, of my faith. And I, I feel like people often, and I've watched your guys' show before, and I have a lot of friends who are apologists and I love them. And they're the guys with their guys with PhD students. And I'm like, man, I finally, you know, had 10 years yeah. to get my PhD in money. Oh, that'd be, and I was smart. That'd be so good. But when I look at that and their, their answers, they often give are void of faith. And, mm-hmm. and so it's not just a presuppositional argument. Cause I, I would, I would say everyone's a presuppositionalist or 
where the Bible says some people don't believe it's because they, or people don't believe they suppress the truth. So if anything, they're suppressionalists, <laughs> but where there's a, right. I, I'm quoting that right on, on this tra- trademark, right? I'll make t-shirts, but, um, <laughs> suppressionalist. That's, suppressionalist. That's, what Jared, that's what Jared and I do. Yeah. We suppress the truth. And I'm, I'm that's our that's a good t-shirt. I'm just saying, if you guys want to run with it, but, uh, we'll give Temper, I'll take. It, I'll take it. Um, but there's a point. There's a, there's a supernatural spiritual truth to to our faith uh, that, that I have, and so there's parts of it that it, it talks about how the, the the eyes of people in this world have been blinded to the God of this world, right? There's that there's that there's a there's a spiritual awakening that happens when when God saves you and opens your eyes to the truth that you couldn't have before because you were born spiritually dead. And so I, if I try to defend the Christian faith without ever leaning on the truth, then I don't really believe that truth, regardless if it sounds weird. I mean, there's stuff about talking snakes in the Bible, right? Like, is this Narnia? But guess what? I believe it. So just because it's weird doesn't make it not true. You know, and so I start with that. There's a there's a supernatural aspect to faith that God intervenes in people's lives. He opens their eyes. He changes their hearts. That allows them to believe, because faith is not natural. It is actually supernatural because we, faith is how we get saved by God's grace through faith. And so, for people of other world religions, God intervenes in their life. Right? They have a they have this idea of God. Right? Which, and this is what the Bible says: you're either you're either praying to the God of, of the Bible, right, Jehovah, or you're praying to nobody. There's, there's, there, it's not, not, we're not all right. And that's what Jordan, I was talking about, talking about online. He said, you know, there's a lot of non-contradiction, right? We both can't be right if we're both saying two opposite things. One of us, we can be both be wrong or one of us can be right, but we can't both be right. And so when it comes down to non-contradiction, these other worldviews, I'm sure there's good, honest uh, people in them, even though the Bible says no one's good. I think there's, there's tenderhearted people who want to know God. They want to do what's right in the sense that they want their lives to matter and they want to have faith. But there is a truth, and and everything else outside of that is not truth, and that truth is Jesus, is it in, in the person of Jesus? So I would point them to him. They say this is true. Well, how is that true? Right? Some epistemological arguments, all that stuff. We can go down a rabbit hole with that. But what is that? What is that truth? You know. So would it be fair to say then that you think that in order for someone to believe in God? Uh, there's an element of God having to do some work on them that like no one can come to faith fully of their own 100% ability 100% okay and that's and that's what people don't like talking about in apologetics but it's like listen that's what the Bible says so why are we why are we pussyfitting around it why can't we just be honest but if, if you believe this support it and the Bible says right that one no one seeks after God right so no it's not like there's a bunch of people saying I'm looking for the God of the Bible Right, and in the last podcast, you guys brought up that there's two differences of, of God. Right, you look at creation. So you guys were saying, what if we look at the trees? And I look at that and I say, there is a God. Right. Well, it, the fact that there's trees doesn't tell you which God there is. It just tell you they should tell you there is a God. And I remember when I, <laughs> I there was a point uh, when I was at Fort Benning that a guy approached me right about uh, that you know we go to church on Sundays to get away from the drill sergeants and I was in that group I was like I got to get out of here you know <laughs> and so I go to church and and and, and I, I brought up you know so I, I said something you know said that I didn't know if there was a God right or I didn't know I didn't know the God of the Bible. And the guy who was leading the Bible study was like, hey, come with me, right? And I'm like, what's this guy want, right? And so we go outside and he points at the trees and he says, look at the trees. And I'm out there like, 
Well, he like literally said, look at the I'm trees. not even joking. He said, look at this. That's awesome. And he's like, I can tell you why those trees are there. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, you know, are they in the trees? What's going on? Like, yeah, they're in the trees. Charlie's in the trees. <laughs> I, I have no idea what he's talking about. And he's like, I can tell you why those trees are there. Or you can figure it out on your own. And I was like, I'll just figure it out on my own. I just walked away. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what that guy was talking about. Like, I thought it was a little weird. So I, looking back at it now, I can tell what he was trying to do. I wouldn't have done it that way. What I was getting at was, um, uh, would you do you think that Jesus or, or sorry, that uh, that God wants to have a relationship That's, yeah. with everyone? Okay, so here's all I know is what the Bible tells me, right? You know, I know that and what my Facebook says. So here's here's what I do know. I know that God has made it possible for people to have a relationship with him. And that that's what I was saying before is that one, nobody can, you can't become a Christian on your own, right? Otherwise it's not something that it's of works. The Bible says that salvation is a gift of God uh, by faith, you know, lest no man should boast. And that's, that's the way they do it. It's through faith that we, we come to be saved and we can know God. So God ha- and that faith, that faith is a gift from God, right? It's not something that you just have in yourself because the Bible says we're dead. So and anyone says, okay. Oh, I became a Christian just by doing this. And I say, you know, eh, you know, you know, no, no uh, pop tart for you. No, you don't. That's not how you became a Christian. God intervened in your life. He gave you a new heart. He gave you faith. And that, and it's a gift from God. So you do need to have, God needs to intervene, not just a little bit, but 100% in your life to become okay. a Christian. Okay. So is there anyone you think that God has intervened and they're not a Christian? Uh, no, I, I'll, I'll say, I think there's different experiences that we have that we gauge at. We could say at, you know, this moment I felt this way at this moment, I felt this way at this moment. I believe this. Um, but the thing is how much do you really know about yourself as far as what you really believed at that time? Right. There's a lot of, we have the life events around us. We have these circumstances and we're kind of like, you know, we're not in a vacuum. We're always kind of experiencing a lot of things at one time. It's like, well, I really believe this. But then the question is, do I really believe this? Just like what I told you before, I, I had, I had, I believed some things, but I wasn't practicing them. And that non-practicing those beliefs led to get, led to me feeling like I don't believe. And, and so it's like, it's a, it, the Bible says you reap what you sow. It's this, this, this producing comes through action. Um, so God has to entirely intervene to save you. And then he wants you to walk out that faith. And by walking it out, it, you know, you prove your faith. It makes it true. I hope that answers the question. If not, tell me a second answer. <laughs> so, so. If if God extends that that grace, mm-hmm. he he does whatever magic he needs mm-hmm. to do to give you the gift of faith. Yeah. Um, is it possible, or is is there a person alive mm-hmm. somewhere where God has extended that to them and they've rejected it and therefore went to hell? Okay, so, I guess right, right. Like mm-hmm. like is is God's grace resistible? If God right. like points to the person yeah. says you, I pick mm-hmm. you, have faith, and then the person's like, Nah, I'm good. Is, is that a thing that can happen or is it just such an overwhelming experience from this deity yeah. that it basically since, mm-hmm. since your nature has then been changed, you're no longer at enmity with God or right. whatever? Uh, so this is where uh, uh, I guess we could use some defining terms. So for my uh, theological beliefs that I hold to would be a reform theology, right? And I know you guys know what that is. Um, and so when it comes to the questions of uh, is, it, is it irresistible, I would say no, because in order for people to be changed, right? Like, God has to intervene entirely. And that, that grace, now people do resist God's grace in the sense of their life. Like you may have experiences, right? God sends people in your life to talk to you, to share the gospel with you. And in one sense, God is entirely sovereign to where he's, he saves people. And yet people are still responsible for their decisions that they make. 
Now, people say that's a contradiction, but the Bible doesn't present it as a contradiction, but as as two truths. And maybe hard to understand, but that's, I mean, there's a lot of things that are hard to understand. It doesn't make them not true. Like that God is both sovereign and people are still responsible for the choices that they make. That would be it. So, so does God make this, do this uh, process for everyone or are there people that don't get that gift extended to them? The statement that uh, no one deserves, no one deserves heaven. None of us do, right? No one deserves uh, anything at all. And if I think atheists, atheists would agree, no one, no, what are we, right? We're stardust, <laughs> pixie magic, right? Just let us, let us, let us be. So no one, no one deserves to, no one deserves heaven. And actually, if you believe the Bible, everyone deserves hell because everyone has sinned. Um, and so from the very start, you can't say there, there's unfairness with God that anybody goes to hell because it's not, he's a good judge. He's eternal. He's all powerful, and and so we, we we have that sin in our life that's an affront to him. I think if you look at the culture with with the pandemic, I think I think case Jordan make is like they don't love people enough, right? With the whole mass thing, right? There's it's it's evident. It's not just atheists as Christians. It's evident that you know people don't care as much. They don't love as much. There's something inherently wrong with people, and so what what God does is he he makes a way. He makes something not just not just uh, you know a possibility, but a reality where he by sending his son procures for himself a people. So, so does that happen for everyone though? Like, well, I mean, no, God... well, that's the thing. It doesn't, because <laughs> you'd say, well, if it happens for everyone, what the hell, what the hell's going on? <laughs> right? like, no, it, it, the thing is like this. And this is where, this is the part where I think with even a lot of the arguments you guys made in the last podcast, I think at some point we have to establish that we, none, none of us three in this podcast or the Facebook, uh, the FBI that's probably watching us or the Chinese that are probably hacking this Facebook live thing. None of us are God, right? We're all humans. And so we're not on the same moral playing field. We're not, we can't even be in the same uh, comparison because there's the creator and the creation. And so God is under by under no means uh, uh, responsible for having to uh, justify or free anybody from the penalty of sin. In fact, if a governor of a, or a warden of a prison, uh, you know, the governor uh, frees one person, right? He says, you're freed from prison. We wouldn't turn around and tell him, hey, you got to free everyone in this prison. Right? right, that's unfair. Well, it's the prerogative of the person in that in the, uh, through through whatever means to make a decision. Right, it's their it's their prerogative. What do you, I, I might actually say that depending on the circumstances under which they freedom. Exactly, them, exactly. That's, like, that's really well, that's the thing. And in, in the sense, in the eternal sense, with God, it's like He is the one. It says He's the just and justifier of those who had faith in Jesus. So He can justify, and so and, and He does. So He's not unfair to do so. So some some receive God's uh, mercy, which that mercy is accessed through faith in Christ and some receive judgment and, but no one is dealt unfairly in that equation. But this is based so on would it be... sin though, right? Yes. The, the presence what... of sin and the holiness of God, the two factors what is, that separate uh, us. What is sin? Uh, well, you've heard the classic cliche, sin's missing the mark. Listen, it's not as simple as just missing a mark and it's an archery term. It's not just missing the bullseye. This is like Thelma and Louise driving off the Grand Canyon, missing the mark, right? Yeah. Like God is holy. We are not. He is, he says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. He's, it's like this, right? If it was a bar graph, he is so up here and we are so down here. So even the, the smallest infraction, which is sin, is, is, is anything displeasing to God, the breaking of God's laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we know that these laws are written on our heart. These laws are even things what, what, what Lewis would call these things that are, that are natural to us. These things that, that, that are proven by our conscience, it's so huge, or cosmic. It's like committing cosmic treason against the king <laughs> of the universe. Okay, so so just, to, just to make sure I'm following so far, uh, those that are saved are saved because God reached out mm-hmm. and touched them and 
pull them right. out. But everyone chose to be sinful. It's just some have that choice, like no, overridden or they get like a handicap. No, and here's the thing. It's not a choice of I chose to be sinful. I chose to be – no, nobody – it's not a, It's not a choice. It's Well, I mean, we, we do choose to sin when we're alive and stuff, but the sin, the sin disposition we have in our hearts is something inherited from our parents, right? There's a reason you don't have to teach children how to lie. You have to actually teach them how to tell the truth, right? There's there's things that show us is that that it's something inherent in us, and it, it just progressively gets worse. Sin, sin doesn't narrow in life when you're not – it broadens. Or it mm-hmm. spreads. One person's sin leads generations, generations, and, and you have families who hate each other and can't stand these problems and politics, everything. Um, and so it doesn't, it doesn't get smaller, it gets bigger. And so the people are, are, but people are still responsible for their actions though. Right. And this is the part that people say, that's not fair. Well, here's the thing. This is literally the the argument that comes up in Romans nine and Paul, Paul slams it down. It doesn't even give him a real response. He, He addresses them and says, who are you to question God? Basically, what should the creator, the, or the creation say to the one who created him? You know, and you, you talked about you talked about Job too in your last podcast. Look what God said to Job: "Where where were you? Where, where were you when I was when I was separating yeah. the waters?" It's 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 just not our place to question the how, but there is a, there is a place that God presents a means, and that and that's His Son. It seems kind of like a like God's being kind of a dick, to be honest. Well, no, I, like, I, I, and I like, get it. I get I get how that looks, and I get it because it's it's not fair. The truth, people always say this: you have a choice when you're born to be good or bad. You don't. The Bible says everyone's born dead, right? Spiritually dead. Okay. So, well, so if we have the sinful nature, mm-hmm. though, uh, where does that come from? Because right. if we're fashioned by God mm-hmm. and He's the Creator yes. and He's He He made me as I am, mm-hmm. then He would have had to have made me sinful, right? Well, no, because you look at, uh, you know, you guys are, you know, students of the words. You look at Genesis, you see the fall, right? Where Adam was created. He is like the prototype. He is the, uh, he is the person charged with subduing the earth. He's in charge, right? And he, and since then, he just didn't stand as one man as by himself. He represented all of mankind. I mean, that's what Adam means, mankind, right? So he represents all of mankind. And the Bible talks about this when it talks about Jesus, right? It's that sin came through one man so that, right? That by by the by the righteousness of one man, that being Christ Jesus, the, they call him the second Adam. People could be saved. If God created Adam and God created Adam sinful, then isn't God responsible no, for? No, I didn't say I didn't say that. He didn't create him sinful, right? He created them uh, not, the and, that, and they were unique in this because they really did make a choice, right? They they chose, right? And you guys said this in the last podcast that that's like the devil made me do it. The devil's never made anybody do anything, right? So any any decision you've made is done because you wanted to do it. That's what Martin Luther in the the bondage of the will covers this that our our wills are under bondage to sin. Yeah, that seems like a non-answer though. Like if if we're all we have either God put it in us mm-hmm. or God created with His divine foreknowledge, right. He created Adam knowing exactly what happened. Whatever you fast forward to today, I was born with a sinful nature. I didn't do anything that I didn't ask for it. It was just handed to me, right. and that makes it functionally impossible. For me to be right with God of my own power, right? Uh, no, because and, and <laughs> I remind you to answer your question. So the sin enters the world right through through uh, Eve being deceived, right? She chose, and and, and okay. what she did in one sense is what we do in some of these conversations when we we try to say, God, what are you doing? That's not fair. Is what we we try to be the ones like autonomous, right? In Tamil, we try to be the ones to decide what is right. So even that moment when she's tempted, she eats of the tree, she's deceived, and then she gives her husband and he eats it. And so sin enters the world through that disobedience. But God doesn't kill them. 
right? He said that the day you eat of this, you'll surely die. He doesn't kill them. He shows mercy. He kills a lamb. He covers their sin. He, he provides for them all the days of their life. And he says, he gives up, he, you know, he promises that one day that things will be made right through the, through the seed of this uh, man and this woman, this woman. So it seems in one con in one sense where this is unfair that God would allow us to be born into a world of sin and pain, but he, he doesn't leave it without means, right? The means of grace, well, which is his son. But he God. does, though, at least for, for all the non-Christians. Like, if God has to come through and, and take an action to save me, mm -hmm. right? So absent that act, I'm doomed. And I am doomed through no fault of my own. Somebody, however many thousands or millions or whatever years ago, mm -hmm. sin entered in the world. So I am yeah. fashioned in such a way that I can't possibly help but be sinful. And the only way out of it is a key held by God. And he's saying... Justin, yes, but Jordan, Jared, right. f off to hell. You know, <laughs> right? I can see what you're saying. Here's the thing: you, me, uh, Jared, Joe from down the hallway, we would all eat in that apple. All it's not like we we are people in this test. In the, again, if this was a test, that wouldn't have done the exact same thing. In fact, we do in our life. That's the problem: is that we do choose to do wrong, right? But God is, so, intervenes in us. That's what I'm trying to then, say. It, okay, so if every single human would eat the apple, 100%, because we're all... 100% of the time. <laughs> so we were given a test mm -hmm. by virtue of this apple being here, able for us to be for us to eat it, right? And 100% of humans would fail that test. How can that test possibly be fair if the person who's responsible for making the test, setting the standard, and then making the participants, yeah. and he made those things such that all of the participants mm -hmm. would fail the test, is that really a fair test? Well, you know, well I think in a sense, because no one, they chose, it's like this, just because I know you're going to do something, does that inhibit your free will? If right. you made it such that, I would choose it. So in normally, I have no control over your environment, your your person, whatever. I don't. I also don't have foreknowledge, but that's different. Like that's how we are. That's not how God was. When God chose to make Adam and Eve, He knew exactly how He was making them. He could have made them in such a way that they wouldn't have done it, but chose not to. In fact, you're saying He made them in such a way that they definitely would do it. Well, not how yeah. is that? Is, isn't some of that? Isn't at least a little bit of that burden on God? Uh, well, I think it's 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 how you look at two two factors of the equation. One, human value, and how you ascribe how much value humans have in the in the, in the role of like can if God being God, can he do what he wants? The Bible says yes, he does. He says God does what he pleases in the heavens. So he has not just the ability through his power and knowledge and all this stuff, but he has the right to do what he wants. So to say to God, putting a man in this garden, knowing he would do something fall to he, he would fall was wrong when the choices were still his. And, and at the same sense, he, God, before the beginning of the earth says the lamb was slain before the foundations of the earth. So he already had the answer to the problem laid out by himself. So it's not like he's leaving, he's not leaving the solution out of the problem. If he, if God put, did what he did, which he did, and then never gave Jesus Christ, he would be an evil God and okay. we should all be in trouble and run, so, run as far as we can. But he didn't, he didn't leave us dead in sins. Right. So we well, left some of us <laughs> dead in sins. Well, anyway, we'll continue. Go back to, we'll go back to the, the Calvinist uh, struggle. Right? <laughs> yeah. and, and obviously, you know, we're not going to solve Calvinism or, you know, any of that right now, yeah. but, uh, it's one viewpoint. So let's say if you were to come up to a person and they have no knowledge of, of God, like the, you might say they might have knowledge on their heart or something like that, but they have no like book knowledge. They've never heard the God. They never heard the word of the gospel. 
your proverbial aborigine. Yeah, right yeah, straight out of the Amazon River. Of course. Of course. But, of course. but they happen to speak English. So so you can Thank give God. Them a it's a mirror. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Is there something that you would say to that person or would you would you feel convinced uh, convicted to try to convert that person mm-hmm. or share the gospel with them? Would you, I that should, person, yeah, I should, <laughs> okay. God willing, I will. But uh, so what do you say? It was like, are you asking like, what would you say to that person who you find speaking English in this? this yeah. This, this person oh, knows, knows nothing. They speak English uh-huh. and you, you are, you're in a room with them having coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, is there something that you could say to them so that they would be able to believe uh, be able to accept the gift mm-hmm. from God. Like, uh, obviously the gift is there waiting for them to take it in, right, in by, faith, world, yeah. by faith. So okay. they need to be able to understand what faith is to be able to accept that gift. What would you say to them? Mm-hmm. Like, how, how do you get them to believe in order yeah. to have faith to, you know, well, that's the thing. I'd start off one with, you know, being glad for the situation. You know, it's like, man, he's speaking English. That's fantastic. <laughs> you know, uh, and second, I'd say just as simple, I'd say I'd share the gospel as, as, as uh, comprehensively and as coherently as I could, you know, through uh, through a simple saying. You know, I'd say that, you know, God created us uh, to be with him, but our sin separates us from God. But sin And sin can't be paid for by good works or good deeds. But paying the price for sin, Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again. And everyone who believes in him has eternal life and life that's eternal means we know God and spend forever with him. So comprehensively share the gospel, said this is the gospel, that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is a savior. We all have sinned. We've all fallen short. And the only way any of us are getting out of this place is by faith in Christ. And, and everything else from that point on, my responsibility is met. And oftentimes Christians, when they have family members who are unsaved, like I do and friends, they, they think they got to like, they, I get, listen, every chance I got to get, I got to, I got to do this. I can do this. Listen, at some point when you have to, you share the gospel with somebody and then you pray with them. Everything else in that point is, is on God's, right? Because sure. he tells us, right, we don't save people. God saves people. He just says, share the message about how people can be saved. And once that happened, that's, I do that. Then I pray for them and maybe play some chess or something. I don't know. Yeah, so, so, this, so this hypothetical person goes, yeah, who is this God and why should I care though? It's like, mm-hmm. like that's, they, they ask you that over coffee. They're like, right, so, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd say one your English is so good <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to, I would say, uh, you know, can you read this English Bible? <laughs> if not, we have one in your own language coming to you yeah. soon by Crossway. Uh, so I'd say, here's the Bible, right? We, we, we want, we and want you to understand that the reason this is important is because it's true. And right. And we'll talk about how it's true. And, but the implications is this, that there's only one way of salvation. And I'd say, listen, Muhammad didn't die for you. Buddha didn't die for you. Vishnu didn't die for you. You can't die for you. If you die right now, you will die under the penalty of your sins, and that means being separated from God. But if you just trust in Christ and his perfect works, you will live, right? And that's and that's the essence of it. Why is it important? It's And I think C.S. Lewis said this, if Christianity isn't true, it's of no importance. But if it's true, it's of great, severe importance. And that's what I would try to stress to them. So um, it, it it's you, we're about skepticism here, mm-hmm. right? Um and so, of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, I should, I should, uh, I should hope so. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah it should be a crappy podcast, otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Reason to doubt, none. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, It is. <laughs> right. So, so, um, looking out at the world, I see that most people. Well, so Jared just mentioned to me basically what you're making there is Pascal's wager. Right. right. And I listened to your guys very, very good, thorough explanation, very simple, but it's just basically the sense like 
what do you, what do you got to lose? Listen, I, I, that's, that's cool and everything like that, but it, it's at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's either true or it's not. It's not like there's so, this gray area. Well, you know, maybe, maybe he is, maybe he is, and that's not faith, right? Like faith is, is, it's true. Like, you know, it's right. something. Yeah. I agree. And, and we should be, we're seekers of exactly. truth. Exactly. Just want to From our skeptical truth, standpoint, right? so, though, yeah. like we want to know how can we know it's true. Right. Right. So, so me as a skeptic mm-hmm. looking in, and I used to be a Christian, so did right. Jared, but from the skeptical standpoint now, I see that most people, the, 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 the biggest predictor of your religious persuasion is your parents. The single largest factor, statistically speaking. If you're born in America, you have an 80% chance to be Christian, or at least claim the title of Christian. Right. If you're born in India, you I don't know the percentage there, but you have a very strong percentage to be uh, Hindu or Muslim. Yeah. Right. So um, that seems to me to be consistent with uh, tribes sharing beliefs with their children, and then the, that's why they come up believing them, you know. That seems to be, to me, to be of the better explanation, the better fit for the data than that a god is coming down to grant holy. Because if if the the belief was due to a deity picking people, you could pick someone from anywhere, right? You don't. You never have to met a Christian before if God's the one giving your faith. So it means how he how he gives that faith is through his word. That's how that's how faith comes. So, but but why is it that we see this phenomena if the true impetus for for believing it is is if the way you know it's true is because God spoke to you, right? Yeah. And we're trying to to arrive at truth. Then why is it that we see this phenomena? Like, why is it that God acts in mm-hmm. such a way that seems that looks from the outside as if He wasn't acting at all? Okay, I, I think that's what you're saying. Well, I think in regards to the geographical jackpot that we we have, and people would say, like, right. I, you know, I live I live in Lynchburg, all right. This is this is the breeding ground of homeschool kids and Chick Fil A. Like, my great grandfather was a Christian, and I'm like, good for him. But do you know Jesus, <laughs> right? Not your grandfather's faith. Do you do you do you know Christ? And so, if it's saying it's just a matter of where we grew up, right? Like our ethnicity or our, all this stuff, it's just a matter of where we grew up. Well, if you look at the Bible, the whole point of of, of, of you know Jesus' message is he's telling people go. And, and share the gospel like the, that's the emphasis that's the great commission it's the last words he says in mark he's saying go right tell them what i did so it kind of addresses the i think the uh, argument that well if, if i'm if he's born in india what's is he just out of luck no people are people are going right we have missionaries we have so much education we have so much literature going out and so the people are going when, when things like that don't happen it's through a lack of unfaithfulness not a lack of resources or god's command to go um so well, that's that's my response to that one I, I wasn't asking, like, you know, is he out of luck because God's going to forsake right, him? Right, That's not what right. I meant. Uh, because presumably, even if that happened, mm-hmm. God being a righteous well, judge... I'm I, I, I still your question. It was, do. why does he do it in such a way that it seems like he's not doing it? Right, right, right. Like, mm-hmm. like it seems, if, if I'm just trying to arrive at truth, so I've got all these right. empirical observations, mm-hmm. you know, and I've got my various options for an explanation that fits the data, mm-hmm. you know, um, if, if I'm going to honestly assess the data that I have in front of me, I should pick the choice that has the fewest suppositions, the fewest assumptions, the simplest model, right? right? If, if I'm trying to get to truth. And so the simplest model here for, for that particular thing wouldn't seem to be a deity. So um, why, why is it then that God seems to act in such a way that's virtually indistinguishable from him not acting? At least from an outsider. Now, obviously, yeah. you have right. had this divine connection, so mm-hmm. for you personally, it's very different. But as um, oh, what's his name, Revolutionary War era philosopher, uh, divine Aquinas. revelation. No, it's, not Aquinas. Uh... It's, it's, 
Revelation, uh, Thomas, Thomas Paine. Paine, revelation yeah. is revelation for the first person only for everyone else. It's hearsay. <laughs> like your, your revelation doesn't right. do me any No, good. it doesn't. No, that's, um, uh, and you're, you're right about that. And I think I get your question. Uh, why does God do the things that he does? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, what I know is the, the Bible tells me that and and how he works. I know how he worked in my life and I know how he works as a whole throughout history is that he works through his word and through the actions of his people. And, and the gospels, what, you know, just totally trampled Rome, right? This massive dynasty that was conquered the world. And what does it happen? It falls. <laughs> the Christian faith happens, right? They could burn them. They could feed them to lions, but guess what? The Roman empire's gone. Christianity and Christ is still here. So it's, it's, it's not just, it's that it's powerless, but that it's, it's something that's actively happening. You know, why, why does God do it that way? I don't know, but I would, I would wager, uh, I would disagree with your thesis because on my side, I see, um, how he's doing it. And the Bible says that you have to be born again to even see the kingdom. So I, there's, there's, there's a spiritual reality that there's things that God is doing that, uh, until God opens your eyes to that spiritual truth, it's, 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 it doesn't mean anything. It's like what, what, what Jesus has about, about himself, about being a stumbling block. You know, it's foolishness to those perishing, but to those being saved, it's, it's preserving, it's life giving. And so there's this presupposition that comes from truth that, that the God is doing something supernaturally new that you can see things that you couldn't see before. Right. So if I'm just trying to look at the evidence that I have before me, mm -hmm. you know, and trying to find the best model for the world around mm -hmm. me, um, is it fair to say then that my honest effort trying to come to that model, I won't come to a model that concludes God unless I am given this supernatural layer on top. I'm given this yeah. direct link. And, and here's the, I think for me, the, the challenging part to say this in, in, you know, with, what doesn't sound too crazy, but it's just, it's, it's simply like this. The Bible says that it's everyone does believe, right? They just, like I said, we, they suppress the truth. Uh, T-shirts so, coming. Yeah. I want one when you got it. I might just put a, you know, just an X through it or something, but, but uh, you know, it's like people have the truth, right? And so you're going throughout your life. It's not like you can conclude that there is no God, but you're, you have to go out of your way to conclude that there isn't a God. And that, I forget who said it, but it's like to, to presume there is no God, it's like intellectual suicide because you'd have to ignore almost every part of life to get to that. You have to keep saying like, okay, no, nope, 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 nope. And so, when you say I'm seeking the truth, I'm looking for the truth. It's like there's experiences, there's the Bible, there's the historicity. There's so much out there that concludes that. I hope that answers that. Sometimes I get, get kind of off. On, I get kind of excited. Yeah. I get kind of go off. Well, I just wanted to mention like we should probably wrap up soon because we're a little mm -hmm. over an hour. But I I did want to make uh, an observation mm -hmm. and maybe uh, you could think about it and and get back with us on it. Mm -hmm. um, just listening to you talk tonight, it seems like there is a, you need A before you can get B and you need B before you can understand A kind of scenario here. So where it's like, it's like you need, you need faith to believe and you need to believe to have faith and there's evidence and you can't see the evidence until you have faith and the evidence is supported by your faith. Does that make sense? It's like a, yeah, it's, it's almost circular, but like yeah. it's not. And so no, I, I disagree with the latter part of that. You're saying you to you can see it. You're just just denying it. It's not like it's not happening. It's you're just it's a denial of what is actually happening, right? And so someone said, "Well, how can I do this apart from God? You can't do this, but how can I do this?" I'd say by believing and praying and trusting God. So it's basically you're saying that nobody who can honestly examine the evidence and not conclude there's a God. So those that would claim that they're honestly examining the evidence. They're not because of their simple nature. They've got well, I would say the that there's more people are really agnostic than they are atheists. 
because you, to be an atheist, wouldn't you have to you'd have to disprove God? And and then most people well, say like we can't do that. So I mean, just because you can't prove I, something doesn't exist doesn't mean it does. I mean, we we believe that. But what is that? What does that way, mean? You know, the way the word atheist is used by atheists, uh, the vast and overwhelming majority, including both Jared and I, is um, the answer to the question: Do you believe in a God? Yes or no. If the answer is yes, you're a theist. If the answer is no, you're an atheist. Uh, that no can include, I don't know, because you don't believe. So therefore, yeah. you're an atheist. Agnosticism is the answer, do you know that there's a God or not? So if I was an, I consider myself an agnostic atheist. I don't know that there's no God. I lack belief in one. I could be a Gnostic atheist. I don't know there's a God. Or I know for a fact there's no God. I think that guy's crazy, but <laughs> uh, yeah. it's a position you could hold, you know? Right. So neither Jared or I think claim that there's no God. Cause I couldn't possibly make that claim. I don't know. Right. I don't know if, if people have tried and you know, so far I've, the, the, the jury's still out as far as being able to do that. So in, in your studies uh, or, or your journey, has there been, what would you say is the thing that's given you the most pause or like the, the best argument you found against your faith? Uh, or is man, it like, honestly, I gotta be. I've ever. heard. I've listened to a lot of people, and and the truth is, when I listen to the Hawkins, to the Dawkins, to you know, to Stephen, I listen to everybody, and at the end of it, there is this. Even as certain as they are that there is no God, and they try to explain why there's no God, you there's this almost this simple like this the what they're saying. It's just like either they're very angry. Like just listen to James White. He debate. He's a, a Christian apologist. He debated some atheists and he debated his heart surgeon. And this guy was just so mad. He was just trying to, he's like, look at the science, look at the science. And he couldn't say anything. He was just fuming mad. And, and it's just, I just see a lot of, uh, you know, there's, there's questions behind the questions with people. It's like people, I really don't believe people dis, disbelieve in God because there is enough evidence. I think people disbelieve in God because of their own experience. I do like the way Dawkins talks. I like his accent. I like his sassiness. Um, I like Sam Harris's personality. It's it's like drywall, you know. It's just like what's what's that about, you know? It's like it's I like I like I like these guys, but I don't I disagree on on their arguments because I feel like a lot of them are they take the Bible out of context. They try to they try to set it up in a very in their own presuppositional argument that is is just not coherent with what Christians believe. Um, so I disagree with it. But yeah, like I said, I'm I'm like I'm always open to hearing a good argument. Like I've never. I disagree with arguments, not people, right? <laughs> we attack the argument, not the people. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I'm always open to, to having a discussion with somebody. So, Well, we appreciate that. And uh, obviously you're open because you came into the lion's den tonight. And Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, we really appreciate you coming on. And, you know, we weren't here to try to disprove anything. We really just wanted to have a conversation and get your opinion on some things and try to understand your viewpoint and maybe ask a few questions. But uh yeah, we just want to really thank you for that. So. No, fans of the show, uh, you guys are awesome. We should get together some time to do this again. Hopefully we get some likes, uh, if not by the shirt, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Make sure you, you make this required reading to all like, your, uh, your flaws yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Listen to this. I'm so cool. Nah, I'm not going I'm not, I'm not to do that. I hate my voice. <laughs> I'm not going to. And uh, yeah, it's, it's fine. But thank you guys for having me on. Uh, hope the best for you guys. Let's do this again sometime. And if you're ever in Lynchburg, hit me up. I got some good. I uh, found a good Mexican joint in the area, so we can we can go there. <laughs> uh, all right, well, that's our episode, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks again to Justin for coming on and sharing some time with us. Uh, if you guys liked it, give us a like on whatever platform you use to get to this podcast. If you didn't like it, tell us that too. You can go to Facebook and tell us in vivid detail 
why you hated everything we had to say. We'll, we'll respond. Yeah. We'll respond. <laughs> Guarantee you, you will get an answer. Uh, uh, anyway, guys, uh, stay safe. And until we see you again, remember, you always have reason to doubt.